live from Liverpool, the Dark Paranormal, season 11. Hi everyone and welcome back to The Dark Paranormal Season 11, Episode 4. Firstly, a huge thank you to everyone who reached out following last week's episode when we took a journey deep in the pines. If anything, what it seemed to have caused is an influx of emails about people's experiences within the woods. And hopefully I'll get to share those with you at some point in the future. People have also asked if we have a social media presence, and of course we do. We have an Instagram page, at The Dark Paranormal. There's also a YouTube channel, at The Dark Paranormal. And of course we have a Facebook group too, The Dark Paranormal Society. So feel free to go along and click join on any of those social media pages. We do as well have a TikTok channel, which is relatively new, so bear with me. I think there's maybe one video currently on there. But we are looking to up our game on there and hopefully there'll be at least a couple of videos each and every week. But much more importantly than talking about anything social media is the question what exactly will we be looking at today? Or more specifically, that statement should read what paranormal questions will we be forced to face today? Well, to be quite frank, there's a lot We ask ourselves the question, what started the activity in today's story? We ask ourselves, can spiritual entities become attached to an individual simply by the individual visiting that residence? And we also take a look at the theory that some families can have paranormal gifts flowing through their bloodline. But before we reach today's amazing true paranormal experience we of course need to thank our wonderful team over at Patreon. When you sign up to Patreon, not only do you receive these episodes both ad-free and before everyone else, but you can also receive exclusive access to the Patreon-only podcast, Dark Bites. Dark Bites is a show which is made up of the shorter submissions that we receive here at The Dark Paranormal, and it's released each and every week even on the downtime in between seasons. So it means that when a season ends, you still get a a 30-minute-a-week show of paranormal true experiences. And of course, you'll have the entire back catalogue of Dark Bites, currently around 60 hours worth of Patreon-only material to binge through. We've built a wonderful community of like-minded paranormal enthusiasts over at Patreon. And we'd like to extend an exclusive invitation just for you. Simply head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. Just like these wonderful new team members have. Jake Woolard, Derek Hope, Roxanne Roberts, Liz Hayward, Pixel Messes, Kaylee Newton, Lewis Richardson, Claire Floyd, Lachona, Julianne Seisma, Kelly Johnson, Bex Lou, Gillian Park, Daisy Garcia, Tiffany Bodoin, Erin Turner, Lindsay Griner, Ricardo Verdin, Mara Marie, Ash Tate, Megan Hawkes, Laura Manning, Kelly, Kishannon Wright, Jackie Marshall, Jalissa Hankins, Oscar, Christian Mosher, Kimberly Clipston, Lorcan Onyx, Derek Hope, Kelsey Long, Layla Landgraf, Tracy Jacks, Daniel Smith, Liv Francesca, Amy Leather, Claire. Shannon Henry, Vidi Patel, Angela Valentine, Andrew Richardson, Razoim, Sarah and Gina Munoz. 
Thank you so much for joining the team, guys, and supporting the show. I hope you enjoy all the early ad-free releases and, of course, those Dark Bites episodes. So if you'd like to join the team, head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. But right now, it's time. Lower those lights, make yourself comfortable, and of course, leave your disbelief at the door. As we hear all about a witch's blood. I've spent quite a lot of time wondering if I should even write down my experiences but I've always been afraid that people would label me just another one of those weirdos who claim to have all these crazy supernatural experiences, the ones that feel things and sees things that others don't. But I finally decided that I don't care. I want people to know that these things really do happen. But what I'm about to share is by far the most terrifying thing to happen to me in my 43 years. My childhood sounds quite cliched for such experiences. I grew up in a tiny town, and my family was very, very poor. I was close to my mum, but my dad wasn't really round much. He worked a lot. He was never unkind to me or anything, but we didn't really see much of each other. I played sport and ran track. I was, however, obsessed from the time I can remember with the supernatural. Even as a young child, I would check out books from the library about ghosts and spirits, vampires and werewolves, the occult, and witches. This was in direct contradiction to the fact that my father was an apostolic Pentecostal preacher and the belief systems that came along with that were very strict and confining. I attended church constantly. I even taught Sunday school in my late teens. I assisted with the youth choir every Sunday, but I never really felt like it was real, like I was just going through the motions. To me, my mum seemed to be going through the motions of being a good preacher's wife, and behaving as she was supposed to, at least to the others. She played organ and accordion in church, and she sang like an angel. She was even requested by other churches to come and sing for them. But in the privacy of our own home and outside of church, well, she was a totally different person. She taught me all sorts of things that... At the time, I did not know weren't churchy. She talked to spirits. She dealt with ghosts. She read tarot cards. She would do cleansings and banishings. She made potions and tinctures. She was an amazing healer. And she could tell the future with a pendulum. She used dowsing rods. She knew things. She cleansed the house and used totems and chants to protect us. She would have premonitions and prophetic dreams that would usually come true. So she never cared when I brought all these weird monsters and occult books home. She even fed into my strange habits by renting the same kind of movies for me as well. 
She taught me all the things she knew. And I thought this was completely normal. This is what everyone did. And then, in high school, I was hanging out with some girlfriends of mine. And we were talking about spirits and ghosts. And I told them I knew how to communicate with them. And began to show them how to get answers using pendulum dowsing. And boy, did they freak out. They told me what I was doing was witchcraft and that I could summon demons and devils and I was going to hell. And so was my mum. They absolutely did not think that the things my mum had taught me were cool at all and I was suddenly even more of an outcast, a freak. They tolerated me being poor and my obsession with monsters and ghosts, but this was going too far, apparently. But to be honest, I never really fit in anywhere, so this wasn't new territory for me. They even said she must be a witch, and that she was probably possessed, or something similar. Of course, I knew my mum, and all the amazing things she could do, and I never felt afraid of her, so I didn't care. I loved all the weird things that she taught me, and I kept learning over the years. Now, in hindsight, there were other clues too. I remember going to a lady's house from our church to visit her because she'd been sick, and her husband asked my mum to heal her. But the lady began yelling, No! Get that witch away from me! Go to hell, you witch! Loudly as she backed away into the house, like my mum had the plague. I asked my mum about it then, and she just said, Some people are just... just afraid of things they don't understand. I thought she was just being a good Christian woman, and she was refraining from using the B word but now I know that others knew my mum for what she was. Many times over my youth, when strange things would happen to me that scared me, hearing voices and seeing things, or telling her I was talking to people I could see and hear, but I knew weren't there, she would do rituals that would protect me from these things, that she said were trying to attach themselves to me that they were negative energy and wanted me. She would ask me questions about the people I was seeing and tell me, as long as you're not afraid, you're not in danger. Allow yourself to feel and learn and trust your intuition. If you feel it wrong or start to feel afraid, you need to let me know. She even gave me a ring with onyx on it to protect me although technically it was forbidden in our religion to wear any jewellery. I never thought much of it because this behaviour was normal for me. So, it turns out, I am a witch born of a witch, and trained from childhood as a witch, and I am never, ever ashamed of it. In my first marriage, I found myself in a horribly abusive relationship, with a man that tortured me 
and our two children for over 10 years. I won't go into any great detail of that, but he forbade me to do any witch things, and if he caught me, well, there was hell to pay. I wasn't even allowed to bless our house or protect it, to do readings or talk about the premonition dreams I was having. The only time he ever let me use my craft is when he fell down the stairs and couldn't move and asked me to heal him, which I did. But exactly after, I was again banned and forbade to use any of my witch things in our home. And so, over time, I fell out of practice and pushed everything into the back of my mind, all the things my mum taught me. And then I forgot them. When I was about 34, I ran from my husband with my two children. We took off to a small town hours away, and even though I made decent money as a nurse... The expense of starting life anew all over again with nothing but court costs made me seek out cheap housing for the three of us. And we found a small house up for rent for a mere $130 a week. And it was only 20 minutes away from the hospital that I worked at. But this house, well, it was a rat hole. It was falling apart. You could see daylight between the walls and ceiling in places. You could feel the drafts around the doors and the windows. And it was infested with mice and mould. It hadn't been well kept at all. But it was cheap and had just enough room for all three of us. Although we all hated it. So even though we hated it, we were happy at first. The first thing that started to trouble us was that there was always a nasty amount of bugs in the bathroom. Yet that room was the only newly renovated room in the whole house. You'd walk in and the walls and ceiling would be covered in gnats, spiders, flying bugs. I'd spray them with bug spray, wipe them all up, but then the next day they'd be back just as thick. Neither we nor the real estate agent could figure out how they were getting into that room only, over and over. But this was only the start. You see, the kids started to tell me that they were seeing a dark shadow watching them while they slept. They both told me they would see a black figure standing in their doorway just staring at them, not moving for sometimes what felt like hours. On occasion, it would pace back and forth between their bedrooms, like it was taking turns looking at them, and they could hear it walking up and down the hallway between the rooms. They were terrified. I would awake suddenly, with the kids standing beside my bed, looking down at me and saying, Mum, there's someone walking around the house. They said they couldn't sleep, and both would wake up with dark circles under their eyes, half zombies all the time. They said it felt evil, and like it wanted to hurt them.
I chalked it up as us having to get away from my ex and their young minds trying to deal with the abuse that they'd endured, and so they started therapy. My son began wetting the bed again at age 10 and would beg me to let him sleep with me or his sister, who is two years older. But she would beg the same, and I told them they needed to start getting used to sleeping alone and being brave. I would hear my daughter rocking herself to sleep every night out of fear, trying to soothe herself. I felt horrible, because I knew they had real trauma, and although I was trying to get them help through therapy, and I didn't want to admit this to them, but I too had been having these experiences. Let's have a quick break to talk to you about Policy Genius. Now, we all like to put off life insurance talk because it reminds us of our mortality. But life insurance isn't about death, it's about life. It's about ensuring the lives of those you love remain secure and comfortable. And I'm sure many of you will think, well, I'm covered through work or I'm covered through my bank account. But believe me, you want to check those finer details because you may be surprised what you're actually covered for. And this is exactly where Policy Genius come into their own. Yes, we could talk about how Policy Genius is America's leading online insurance marketplace or how their award-winning agents will walk you step by step through the entire process. But the best thing about Policy Genius for me is they don't have a dog in the fight. They're not going to strong arm you towards one company or another. They've no incentive to do so. Their only incentive is to listen to your needs, scour America's top companies, and find you the best price. For example, with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that begin at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options even offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. There's a reason why Policy Genius has thousands of five star reviews on Google and Trustpilot, and you'll find out what it is when you tick life insurance off your to do list with Policy Genius. So head over to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's policygenius.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I began to feel like someone was watching me all the time. Not just when I was sleeping, but all the time. I was afraid to even shower when no one was home because I could hear something walking around the house, outside the bathroom, which would then bang on the door over and over until I opened it to find no one there. I was terrified to sleep. I always felt like something was about to pounce on me, 
and when I would turn my back to the edge of the bed, I would feel something stroking my face, or only what I could describe as fingers pulling through my long hair. I'd wake suddenly after dozing off to the feeling of something dragging its nails down my back. A burning sensation, but there were never any marks. I would feel the bed shake and move like someone was bumping into it or trying to get in. It would feel like the blankets were being moved around me or pulled off. I took to sitting up all night, just staring at the door. The house was perpetually freezing cold, even in the summer. My heating bills were through the roof, and no matter what we did, no matter how many layers we wore, we were always cold. I began to leave the lights on in the house for us, leaving the TV on to cover any noise. My dog, Bella, a huge Belgian shepherd, would stand around the house in various spots, growling and barking, her heckles up and crouched to attack something, something we couldn't see. The house was fairly open plan, so while sitting in the living room, we could see straight into the kitchen, and we'd see these dark shadows pacing back and forth whilst we were watching TV. Bella would lay by our feet and growl in their direction, and the kids would say, Are you seeing this, Mum? And I would reply, Don't worry, it's probably just a trick of the eye because it's dark in the kitchen. And I'd go in there and turn the light on. One dinner time, we were sitting around the dining table and the doors on all the kitchen cabinets just opened by themselves. We just looked on in horror. I got up to close them and laughed and said, we just need to make sure these doors close firmly. This house is so crooked, if we don't, they'll pop open when we just walk by. But other things began to happen. Doors around the house would open by themselves, which I blamed on drafts in the house. We'd find things in places we didn't put them, and even this got the kids into trouble a few times, only because I blamed them for it, only for them to tearfully insist they hadn't touched it. The worst was still to come, by far, and this was the behaviour of the kids, especially my daughter. At 12, she became so defiant and mean. She'd tell me to die, and tell me in great horrifying detail all the ways I could die. She hated me. She would say things like, You could have an accident on your way home from work. You could be thrown from the car. You could be laying in a ditch covered in cold water and slowly freeze to death overnight because no one would find you. She went after her brother with a knife once, holding it to his throat, and once shoved him so hard into the bathtub it gave him a concussion. She was wild and aggressive 
and I thought for sure I was going to have to get her committed because she was borderline psychotic. But then my son started to do weird things too. One night as I was watching TV, after putting them to bed, I watched him walk from his bedroom to the kitchen, pull a knife out of a butcher's block and start to walk away. I called out, Oi, what are you doing? and jumped up to run across the room. He startled like he was asleep and said, I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm doing. And he put the knife back into the butcher block. He told me a few weeks later that he felt something was telling him to take the knife to his room and kill himself because no one loved him. After that, I took to sleeping on the couch so I could listen for either one of them to get up and move about. It was terrifying. But all of my money was wrapped up in debt from the court and I couldn't risk moving at the moment as we were also in hiding and I was fighting for custody. My lawyer said the court would look so poorly on me moving the kids around so quickly and could consider me an unstable parent. And so... I made sure the kids kept going to therapy and talking to them about what they were feeling and what was going on. Even though I had full experience in the supernatural, I was convinced all of this was from the trauma and the chaos that we'd experienced and none of this was a paranormal issue. But I felt helpless. The house is old, I told myself. Nothing was level. Nothing worked properly. And we were just super vigilant all the time. I'd thought about doing a cleansing or a banishing, but my spirit was so broken, I thought I'd never be able to pull it off anyway. Plus, I hadn't practiced in all those years. I wouldn't even know where to start. We were in hell. But we stuck together and kept pressing on. The kids wouldn't even have friends over because those kids would get scared of the house and never come back. My friends would come to visit, they'd stay a minute or so and suddenly leave and again never come back. I heard one of them telling a co-worker one day that my house, whilst clean and tidy, and looking warm and cosy, felt like you were walking through the front door to hell. They said their skin crawled as soon as they walked in. They kept seeing things out of the corner of their eye. We were basically an island. And then, suddenly, I met someone. I wasn't really even looking, to be honest. My life was chaotic enough. I didn't want to drag someone else into my chaos. But I met Mark at a hardware store in the next town over. He was tall, blonde and handsome. Bright blue eyes and the most amazing smile. He simply said hi as he walked by and I returned his greeting only to have him stop me and ask me where I was from because he loved my accent. 
We talked for a long time and exchanged numbers. And after phone calls and coffee dates over a few weeks, eventually he came over one night when the kids were at a friend's house and he spent the night. He was kind, funny, smart and I was falling hard. So I told him all about what was going on in my personal life and the ex and then told him that I totally got it if he wanted to chalk this up as a one-night stand and never see me again. Well, he went home that morning and promptly texted me to see if it was too soon to see me again. He didn't mention anything about the house at first, well, aside from how cold it always was, and he would come over and would bring his big dog, which, unsurprisingly, also hated our house. She would growl and bark and pace back and forth between the kitchen and the living room. One night I spent the night at Mark's house and I was sitting on his bed, he was making coffee and I caught a shadow out of the corner of my eye. I saw a full shadow person leaning through his doorway looking directly at me. But this was so different from what I felt at home. I felt no animosity, no fear. I almost felt calm and collected. And then it pulled itself back through the doorway and disappeared. I sat there stupefied and debating whether to tell him about what I'd just seen. But I'd promised myself never again would I hide a part of me from someone else nor would I push down any part of my personality or beliefs. So I said to him, So, you might think I'm crazy, but I swear I've just saw a shadow leaning through the door and looking at me. He stared at me for a second and then ducked back into the hall. Must have been a while since you had a woman over, eh? I laughed. He looked me straight in the face very serious, and then slowly began to smile. So, you've seen my ghost, eh? I was relieved. He believed in these things too. Just after meeting him, I began to practice my craft again. But I didn't tell him nor the kids. I was just finding my feet again. Mark started staying at my house more often, him and his dog. Because of the kids and us living a bit far apart, it was easier to use my house as his home base. It wasn't long, though, before he began experiencing the feelings of being watched, seeing the shadows in the kitchen, watching the cabinets and the spring blinds opening themselves all at once, all on their own. He even began to feel someone touching him whilst he slept. And he heard the walking around the house. He would startle awake at night telling the dog to get off the bed, but both of them would be asleep on the floor. But he would swear he felt one of them jumping onto the bed. And this happened over and over. After several months of dating he offered to stay with the kids so that I could save more money by working afternoons and nights in order to save up and buy a house for myself and the kids. 
After a string of night shifts, he told me it sounded like the kids were getting up and walking around the house at night. So he said he'd taken to sleeping on the couch so he could watch them. I told him about their weird night behaviour and we'd put motion sensors on their doors. He said the dogs always seemed on edge, jumping and barking at every noise. So he slept with the TV on and the kitchen light. He also agreed that the house seemed to be affecting the kids. It was making us all feel unhappy, even angry. When we were out of the house, we were great. The kids would laugh and be playful, and we were a normal, happy family. But inside that house, we would begin to argue. We became toxic. My daughter told Mark one day, I want you to fall somewhere in the woods while you're hunting and break your legs and starve to death. She just walked away like what she said to him was totally normal. I told their therapists about these behaviours and they said they were probably just lashing out as resentment of me replacing their father, even though he was abusive. They told us to spend plenty of time with the children and to be supportive. So we enrolled them in sports and swimming. We'd done family movie nights every Friday. We spent time together as a family, hiking, camping. A few months later and court was finished. I had full custody of the kids and now I had more money to start putting into savings. I talked about moving out of the house to another rental, but they were so expensive that I wouldn't be able to save anymore. And they didn't take pets, and I couldn't give up the dog. So I kept putting money into the savings, whilst dealing with all the chaos going on at the house. Thankfully, I landed a better job in another hospital that paid a lot more money, and this really helped. And within nine months, I had enough to put down a down payment, get a mortgage and buy a lovely little house in another small country town, only about an hour away. I hadn't been this happy, well, ever. Life was turning around for us. We asked for a quick closing and started moving the night they gave us the keys, even though it was already 5pm. We started sleeping there the next night, Despite the dust and cobwebs and it being empty for six years, we threw our mattresses down on the floor and had the first good night's sleep in years. It was an amazing home and we were elated. We moved in as quickly as possible. One day the guys were moving the big stuff and putting things together. So my daughter and I, who was now 15 went to the old house to finish cleaning the walls and the carpets. We hated it there, so we were rushing just to get it done and get out. Suddenly, we started to hear banging, thudding on the walls, and the house felt like it was shaking. It was as if a train was passing right through the house, and we were both terrified. We suddenly heard only what I could describe as a roar or frustration ripped through the house. My daughter yelled, Mum, 
from the other room where she was wiping the walls and came running into the room I was in. She was crying and shaking. I hugged her and I sent her out of the car. And my witch training finally kicked in. All the years of terror and horror, frustration and feeling weak reached boiling point. And finally, I felt strong enough to stand up to it without fear. I stood in the middle of the house, planted my feet and said, Leave us alone. We're not afraid of you. You have no control over us now. And you're going to stay here and rot. You're bound to this house. And I command that you cannot come with us. You cannot follow us. I bind you here with the power of the witches in my blood. You are banished from our lives and will never come near us again. You cannot seek us out. You are bound to this place forever. I was yelling at the top of my lungs and tears of joy and power were running down my face. I said a binding spell, left all the cleaning supplies we were using and left the house. Got in the car, started the engine and never looked back. After moving into the new home, some things were immediately noticeable. No one was scared to be in their own rooms. No one felt like they were being watched. We all slept amazingly. It took time for my daughter to stop rocking herself, but eventually she did, and over time her episodes went away, until we were just dealing with typical teenage girl craziness. Life was good. She's 18 now, and she says she doesn't remember attacking her brother, or all the horrible things she said to us. Now, I'm not sure if that's true or not, but I hope it is. An interesting part of the story, which I didn't think about until years after moving, and it never crossed my mind that it could be the cause of all of this. You see, myself and a couple of friends decided to take a trip to a local asylum for a night ghost tour. This was only a couple of months after we moved in to the rat home. My friend's daughter watched all of our kids and we went to the asylum overnight, stayed there, interacted with the spirits via various activities and an actual ghost hunt. Halfway through the night, I remember telling them that the back of my neck was burning and that I felt like something was following me. But we laughed it off, saying it was just the ghost tour doing its job. On our way home, I was driving. But I kept catching glances of something sitting in the back seat, next to my friend Mike. He laughed and just kept saying that my imagination was running wild, so I dropped it. It was just a few days later that the activity got really crazy, like the blinds opening themselves all at once and the cabinet doors flinging open. So, truth be told, I don't know if something was there when we moved in or... I brought something with me from that tour. Maybe even both. I just know it was something bad. 
Sometimes I look back on the old house and feel guilty. You see, I bound something to that place, so it couldn't follow us to our new home. But then I feel guilty that someone else has had to live there. We drive by the house often as it's on our way to the city. And it seems like people are moving in and out every few months. Mark and I both agreed that something was haunting that house, and it definitely wasn't good. Had we stayed there, I'm pretty sure one of us would have died, and the rest of us would have been miserable, and maybe even ended one of our own lives. We love our new house, and I practice as a witch fully now. The kids and Mark know about it and embrace it, And whilst we still see Mark's ghost in his house and see transient spirits in mine from the work I do, we've never had a violent experience like we did at that old house. And now we're never afraid. Now we all embrace the supernatural world and feel privileged to learn and work within it. But we also know very well what to look out for, and how to handle something should it pop up again. But we've also learned to respect it, and have a healthy fear, and to be careful where us paranormal enthusiasts go for entertainment, because you never know what may try and follow you home. Wow, thank you so much, Kimberly, for submitting your true paranormal experiences. To me, it sounds like whatever was in the house, whether it was there from the start, or indeed you added to it by bringing along another spirit from the asylum, was growing in strength exponentially. I do, like you, worry to think what would have happened had you had to stay in that abode. Thankfully, we'll never get to find out just how bad things could have truly turned. And so this brings us to the end of another episode of The Dark Paranormal. And I'd like to thank each and every one of you for choosing to spend your time with me here on your show. Next week, we'll be at episode 5. Already halfway through this season, I can't believe it. For our Patreons, I'll speak to you again on Sunday for another instalment of Dark Bites. And for everyone, I'll see you here next week for episode 5. Until then, remember, when you're discussing the paranormal, always try and leave some of your disbelief at the door. And I'll see you next time here on The Dark Paranormal.